Again, it's great to see you guys this morning, and thankful that y'all are here. We do have an awesome God, and uh, it's just good to remember that our life is is for Him. We are in a series, Rhythms, and uh, we have in the last, I think this week is the fourth or fifth week now that we've been in this series, and if you're new today, it's okay. If you're back, then we're just going to keep on plugging away, but um, we have been looking this summer, taking a, a journey through uh, study of spiritual disciplines, or you could call them Christian disciplines. And really, the heart of this series and the heart of the, the whole focus of Christian disciplines, which is, is actually all emerged really within this last century of just a, an articulation of, of things that the Bible has for a long time expressed. But the whole focus and desire of this is that we might know God more. Um, like the psalmist says in 42, it's a psalm that we've been looking at, been asking you to, to, to keep in your heart and on your mind. As the deer pants for the water, oh, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Putting words to something that I pray does resonate deep, deep down in your soul. Because Christianity is not about an intellectual agreement to some doctrines on a typed page. But rather a heartfelt affection a living relationship with a living person, the true God. And deep, deep down in our hearts, there should be this hankering, there should be this desire, there should be this affection, like true affection that you have for anybody. Like, I love the 4th of July. Yesterday I teared up just hearing Lee Greenwood's song, Proud to be an American. Very, very lame of me, I know. But I happen to love the 4th of July, and this one time... I was down in West Palm Beach, and I happened to be like out on the beach with my family on a vacation, and I had no idea. I was, we heard some music down on the beach, and we went up, and there's this concert, and all these people standing around, and it was, it, it was the 4th of July, this particular day, and it was Lee Greenwood, and he happened to be singing his song. It was one of the most epic moments of my whole life. Um, if you're born on the 4th of July, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but anyway, I have a lot of affection in my heart for all things patriotic, and that's very American of me, and I need to be more worldly-minded, I know. But um, I loved it. I was bubbling up yesterday. But in the same way, you have things that you love, that you're quirky about. I know, th- I know this about you. You have things that infatuate your, your heart's infatuated with and that you're very affectionate about. In the same way, we are to be absolutely head over heels in love with God. The greatest pursuit and passion of our life should be that we have the opportunity to know God more. You could actually grow to know the living God more. And this is the purpose of your life. It's what God created you for. See, your heart is made to have a relationship with God, to find a home, a belonging, a dwelling, an awesome and vibrant place of joy and satisfaction and contentment and purpose in him. Jesus said, John 17, this is eternal life that you might know God, that you might know him just as much as you can get to know any other person in your life and grow in a relationship with them and enjoy that person more and more and more. You can get to know, grow in a relationship and enjoy God. And the, the whole scripture is filled with this hankering, this longing after I want to know my God more. I want to grow in my relationship with him. I want to spend time really getting to know him. And I want to be like him. I want him to fill my life, my heart and my life in such a way that I begin to just emanate his presence in the way that I live. Do you have that longing this morning? Do you have that desire? 
Do you have that hunger? I pray that it just grows more and more. More and more and more. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with God. And that's the whole premise behind this series, Rhythms. We've been talking about how can we position our life in such a way that we maximize every opportunity to grow deeper in our relationship with God. Like Bartimaeus, like Zacchaeus, and the times that they met Jesus, he stopped. He had personal encounter with them and fellowship with them. He gave of himself to them of what they needed. What was it about them? Well, we can't control God and we can't manipulate him. He says, Jesus says in John 3, the spirit is like the wind. He goes and does as he pleases. But at the same time, we know that all through scripture, individuals who seek after God, who position themselves like Zacchaeus in the tree, I just want a glimpse of him. I want to know him. God says, when you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart. So how can we position ourselves? That's the study of Christian disciplines. What are those rhythms that we can begin to live in that allow for the maximum opportunity for us to know the Lord more and grow to be more like him? Everybody got it? And I hope that um, this series has been a blessing to you and and you're growing. I've gotten a lot of emails and talked to a lot of people who said, this has been just really awesome and really helpful. Um, And I hope that you would say the same. We've been using the acronym WORSHIP, and you'll see it on the screen. I'm not going to take time to explain all these again, but we're walking through it, and today we're on the letter S. If you haven't written these down already, I encourage you to put them in your phone, or you can write them down. I didn't create this acronym. Someone else did, but it's just a way to categorize the disciplines we're walking through. Worship God. Open myself to God. Relinquish the false self and idols of my heart. Share my life with others. Hear the word of God. Incarnate Christ's love for the world. Pray to God. These are the categories of disciplines that we've chosen. You could, you could choose any different uh, number of categories and any different methods of categorization, but it's just the way we're walking through them. These are all things, desires that are on God's heart for us. We begin to pursue these things. We're going to be pursuing the things that God wants for us. And we're going to begin to position ourselves in a way to open ourselves up more to God and to be more like him. Um, And in each of these desires, there are practical disciplines that we can live in. Today we're on S. So if you've got something to write with, we are on S. And so the title today will be Share My Life with Others. Most of you will be listening online this week, and I just want to say hello and that we missed you. Hope you had a 4th of July. Good 4th. Yeah, everybody had a 4th of July, but hope you had a good 4th of July. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Um, Just kidding. Um, Share my life uh, with others. This is probably, out of all the, the disciplines we're going through, the desires and disciplines, probably the one that comes most natural for many of us. Um, I would say if you had the name of strength of our church in our particular community, uh, this would be it. And I'm so thankful for that. We are going to take some time to look at that. But here in this category, we're going to be talking about a couple of different things that the Lord um, has said, hey, walk, in, walk this way and uh, know me more, become more like me. Really, though, it, it all goes back, all of these go back to the very heart of God. God is a God who shares all that he has with others. 
And I'm so thankful. Um, I was overwhelmed last night. I uh, was holding Caroline and putting her to sleep. And I was, we have a little good night prayer routine. And I was just praying. And all of a sudden, I found myself crying. And I was like, oh, gosh. Not only was it the Lee Greenwood song, but now I've... Now it's my little girl in prayer. It's, um, but I was just thanking the Lord because yesterday happened to be my birthday. And I was thanking the Lord for um, another year of his goodness and of his grace and just asking the Lord for his blessing in this next year. And I just felt so empty-handed going to God. I always feel empty-handed. I don't know about you, but it's like, you know, what do I have to merit asking you for anything? You know, here I am begging, but what do I have to really merit that, to, to really warrant you hearing my prayer and answering? But I was just thanking the Lord for his generosity, for his grace, for his kind heart, for his giving and giving and giving and giving and giving of himself. The merit we have is not on our own. I don't have merit, but I do have merit because I have a God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have a Savior who poured out everything that he had upon the cross. And by giving of everything, he allowed me to receive of everything. Amen? And if you're a Christian today, that is your testimony too. I'm so thankful that we have a God who shares. He shares his very life. Not just his trinket or his toy. He shares his very life with others. He's always existed within the Trinity. He's always had community. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit sharing of their very life uh, together, But then as he created the world, he said, let's create him in our image. He gave, he gave and gave that we might enjoy him as he has always enjoyed himself completely perfect and who he was. God, our God is a sharing God. Aren't you thankful for that? He's a sharing God. And it's not just little things. He shares, like I said, his very life with us. Jesus came and said he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Us. He spent his whole ministry pouring himself out for people just like you and me. People who are broken. People have issues. People have problems. People who need healing. People who, who just don't have it together but need a great physician to mend their brokenness. Jesus sharing of all that he had. In Philippians chapter 2, we see this. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's a passage that we've looked at before. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the very form of God, he didn't count equality with God something to be, a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, Jesus had everything. He had everything. He had equality with God. In other words, there was nothing that Jesus lacked. He was completely perfect and content in and of himself within the compound of the Trinity. 
But he didn't consider all of that something to be hoarded. In other words, he didn't keep it all to himself. He didn't consider it something to be held onto, grasped, tight fist, clutched, kept inside. But rather, what did he do? He emptied himself. He gave of himself. He poured himself out. And not just in a small way. He says he emptied himself even to the point of death. Not just any death, death on a cross. The most completely self-sacrificial act of sharing and giving we see in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at our point of greatest need with the sin that should be on our shoulders, him taking all of that on himself, him absorbing the wrath that we were deserved and giving from his good, generous, kind, compassionate, merciful, grace-filled, faithful heart, giving of all that he had, that we, though naked, pitiful, poor, might be clothed in the riches and the glory of his own sonship of the eternal king. Amen? Sharing God. We have a sharing God. This is why in Scripture, when we get to the acronym again, and we see the share my life with others, there's all of these. See, if you know the Lord and you know his heart and you get to know him more, see, this, this particular category is an invitation, like the others, to get to know the sharing heart of God more by practicing sharing in your life. Does that make sense? So it's an invitation to have Christ so richly dwell in you that his, his very heart and his ways would pour through you to the world that he so loves and wants to share himself with. This is an invitation for us to share of ourselves. Not that we're out trying to figure out, okay, what am I, well, gosh, I've got to go share. What am I going to do today? But know that you would so live in tune with the Holy Spirit of God that you would allow his spirit to so transform your heart by his generosity that he would prompt you to live naturally a life of sharing of yourself as he has shared of himself with you and does every single day. Got it? It's, it's awesome. This is why in scripture you see this, these commands. For instance, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, Paul says, I did not only share... There it is, 2, 7, and 9. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much. I love you so much. That sounds like a great Hallmark card. I love you so much, baby. Um, We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. Now, this is a great instruction for um, people in ministry. Jonathan, it was good to see you this morning. Robbie, Will, there's others of us who are called to ministry. And of course, this is written um, as someone who is an apostle or leader in the church. He's giving himself as the example. But as leaders do, so so also must congregations do. We are to be example. He's saying, I am the example to you of what it looks like to practice the very sharing heart of God. Not only did I stand before you week in and week out and teach you, But I gave of my complete self to you. As how much more giving could you be than a nursing mother? Giving of her very essence to her child to provide all that she needs. Here, Paul evokes this picture. And he says, as God is El Shaddai, the one who provides all that we need. As mothers provide their children, give of themselves all that they need. So we too. So we too. We don't just stand up and and teach 
We don't just give lip service to, oh yeah, I love you, but then never do anything about it. As Christian people, we should be people who give of our very life, of our very self to those who have need, just to anyone. We should be giving and giving and giving of ourselves constantly. That's why in Acts chapter two, you see in verse 44, it says all the believers were together and they had everything in common. You see this among believers. Jesus said, the world will know you by the way you love one another. And love has, uh, greater love has no one than this. A man laid down his life for his friends. It's not a lip service kind of love. It's a life giving kind of love. You see, sharing, giving of yourself to others. Sharing of your life, living in such a way that you would have that posture of never-ending generosity, compassion, kindness, giving to all. That's, that is the heart of this particular desire. So here's the starting place, okay? I'm going to give you some practical outworkings like we've been doing every week, but here's the starting place. Do you first have a deep gratitude, understanding, heart of love and affection and worship for God and the fact that he has given and 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 given given of himself to you? Do you have a deep, deep love and appreciation for the fact that if God had not given of himself, that you would have nothing. That's the starting place. Pray, oh God, would you help me know you're sharing, you're loving, your wonderful heart more. And help me to know that in Jesus, look at the cross. Help me to look at the cross of Jesus and see that you gave everything. You didn't give little, you gave everything. Your very self, that I might have everything in my time of need. Okay? That's your starting place. The second starting place is this, God, would you give me a desire to so know your heart in a way that it overflows into my life that I might share myself with others? Would you help me in a greater way? Everybody shares in some way. But do you have a a longing for even greater knowledge and practice of this? Help me to share myself with others as you have shared yourself with me. Okay? That's the starting place. Now I'm gonna give you some practical outworking. So we're gonna go through these quickly because I know it's a holiday weekend and and, uh, we don't want to stay here for a couple more hours. (laughs) But as always, I encourage you to come talk to me or check out the resources out on the table or I've got many more in my office I'd love to share with you if you're interested in knowing more on each of these. First thing I want to mention this morning is, is just small groups. Now, I mentioned small groups first because it's one of the things that we really emphasize as a key practice, a key discipline, a way to position yourself to learn, to share your life with others. Small groups, um, I can't remember who it was, they said that all babies should be born uh, with a tag on their toes. Life is hard. Do it in groups. (laughs) Um, In other words, small groups is just a way to practice constantly sharing of your life with others. That's essentially what it is. Psalm 133, one, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in Christian unity. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. You know, a cord of two strands is easily broken, but a cord of three, not so easily broken. Hebrews 10, 25. Don't neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but rather meet together often, encouraging each other all the more as we see the day of Christ approaching. All these scriptures speak to something. It, it, it speaks to the th- God inviting us to get into the habit. Okay, If we want to share our life with others and get to know a sharing heart, there needs to be a habit. I am going to choose to involve myself in the lives of others on a consistent basis. The desire here to make my spiritual journey with a community of trusted friends. Small groups intentionally connect people. They regularly gather people together to help each other grow in loving God and in doing his will. Now, um, Jesus chose not to live life and to do ministry alone. You think about it. He had a group of 12 12 guys with him throughout his ministry, didn't he? Constantly did life in groups. The early church modeled it. The instructions of the New Testament scriptures uh, invite us. And it's just something we need to get in the habit of doing. Small groups were one of the the key catalysts in, in our life, in our own personal journey in spiritual growth. Small groups are awesome. Now, I know people are busy. You have crazy work schedules. You have kids. You have husbands. You have recreational activities. I get it. But this is one of those areas where you just have to to make it a habit. I am going to choose to show up at small group. It is not a social club. It's not like the um, junior league or Kiwanis Society. What the purpose of small group is, it's not just an activity to choose or not to choose. It, It doesn't really make a difference. This is an integral part of what God has for us as believers. He says, don't, don't slack off with meeting together. There's something that happens, just an in, something that happens when believers get together and they share life with one another and they're honest about what they're going through and they talk about the Lord and they get in the word and they pray together. I guarantee even this morning, just praying in our huddles, there's a blessing to that, right? Small groups is a way to regularly practice getting together with other believers because God has said, I want you together. You're meant to live life with other Christians. And it's really hard to get into deep trusted relationships without regularly meeting with other Christians. It's, not, it's a difference between having Christian friends and then really having a group that knows you, that loves you, that misses you when you're not there. And, and you miss it when you're not there. And you know what's going on in those people's lives and you are praying for them. And when somebody's hurting, you all sit together and you hurt with them. When somebody's excited, you get together and you celebrate with them. That's the kind of group we're talking about. Small groups is a great way to practice sharing my life with others. If you don't do this, I just encourage you to do it, especially when we get ours kicked back off in August. Um, I think you see the practice there, but essentially, I think you know what it means. And I just want to encourage you again, live life with other Christians. It is the greatest, greatest blessing. Secondly, another practice that you can, can have here is hospitality. Hospitality. I think, yay, it's up there. Hospitality. Um, if you see here in Acts There's this intentional act of sharing. And it says they broke bread together daily, Acts 2, 46, 47, and they met together in each other's homes. That's interesting. 
They didn't have to figure out a commonplace. Oh, let's come up with some objective location and we'll all show up there. Although a lot of our groups, none of our homes can hold them. But all of our small groups, um, with the exception of a few, meet in homes. And there's a reason for that. Because when you get in somebody's home, what happens? It feels like you're being invited into part of their heart. Y'all sense that? When somebody asks me into their home, it's just an exciting feeling. In other words, I would, we, we would love to be asked into your home. Um, it's, it's fun because you get to look at the pictures and, oh, this, this was Rob as a, as a 13-year-old. Look at Rob. And, you know, here's John's kids. And you get to see their toys around. And I went over to Jonathan's and I saw his garage and all of his manly stuff that he's got in his garage. And I can go through and I can, everybody who, whose home I've been into, I can, it makes me feel like I know you a little bit more because there's part of you that just is there in your home. There's, there's a biblical essence to hospitality. Romans 15, 7. Don't neg- neglect hospitality. Same in Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Hey, by entertaining strangers, some of you have entertained angels of God. John 14, 1 to 3. He speaks in the language of hospitality. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and, and I, you're going to one day be where I am in the home. See, it's the language of hospitality. I'm going to invite you into the home. I'm preparing a home for you. And one day we'll live there uh, together. The desire here with hospitality is to be a safe person who offers others the grace, the shelter, and the presence of Jesus. Defined, you could say hospitality creates a safe and open space where a friend or stranger can enter and experience the welcoming spirit of Christ in another. In other words, it's getting into the habit of opening up your front door. And saying, come on in. It, it could also not just mean your, your, your home, but it could mean your, for instance, your car. Somebody needs a car. You have the ability to, to help them with a ride or to give them an extra car. That's hospitality. Food. Any, anything that you have that you would call your own so that somebody else could experience the welcoming heart of God through you. Reaching out people that you don't know very well, people that you might meet one Sunday. Imagine this. You meet them for the first time and you say, hey, would you like to come over to our house this week for dinner? We're going to be cooking already on Tuesday night. We'll make a little bit extra. We'd love to have you in. That freaks some of us out. (laughs) But that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And you got to push yourself a bit. Loving and not entertaining the guests. The key with hospitality is not to show off your beautiful interior, your, your fancy decor, or to show how clean you are. Some people never practice hospitality because they think that their place is just never going to be good enough to have people in. And that's sad because hospitality is not about entertaining people. It's about loving people. And you can love people no matter what your house looks like. Just the act of inviting somebody in makes a huge difference in their life. And you begin to extend the sharing, giving heart of Christ to others. See, God welcomed us into his family when we were estranged from the Father, weren't we? You remember? God welcomed us in. He adopted us as his own. In the same way, we can welcome others in who are not part of our family. What could you do? Uh, Spontaneously invite people for meals. Ooh, spontaneous. Some of us don't like that, me included. Sometimes you can be spontaneous. That's okay. Do that this week. Try it out. How about opening your circle of friends to somebody else? Inviting that neighbor over instead of taking them bread, inviting them over to make bread with you or to 
sit down for a meal. What are we going to talk about? What if it gets awkward? What if, what if they don't leave when we're tired? <laughs> well, take it as an opportunity to grow in the sharing heart of God. Ex- stretch yourself. Extend your heart a little bit. In those moments where you go, oh, I'm so tired, I just wish they'd leave. Pray, oh God, help me to know that you didn't leave me when I needed to stay a little longer. <laughs> See? Host an exchange student. Oh, this is fun. So in July, I put this in here intentionally because I need to make an announcement. There's some Chinese students coming in in July. They'll be here for three weeks. And we're looking for, I think, four homes to host a Chinese student. Hmm. Here I am preaching on God, saying, share your life with others. Some of you have extra bedrooms. You have ability to have an extra meal. You can get somebody of the same gender. Hey, you live in the downtown community where they need to show up every day. They're working with another Christian organization. They'll get to hear the gospel. They'll get to see it lived out in your house. Just saying. It's a way to practice hospitality. If you're interested, contact me, contact Jordan. Um, Developing a practice of praying for the people before they arrive, praying for them after they leave, and then doing silly things to like extravagantly welcome and love on them. When you know you have a guest arriving at six, stand at the window and wait for them to show up. And when they get close, don't freak them out. When they get close, go to the door. Go to the door. And not only you go to the door, bring everybody in your family to the door and welcome them with your arms out. Hey, we're so glad you're here. People all the time make fun of me because I'm goofy, but I hope that through some of this goofy stuff that you feel the extravagant love of God. I'm so glad to see you. When they leave, don't just say bye and let them leave while you finish up something else. Walk them to the door. Walk them all the way out to the car. Stand there until they get out of your sight. You know what you're showing them? You're like the prodigal dad waiting for them to get there, loving them when they arrive, not wanting them to leave. Does that make sense? That's the kind of biblical hospitality. Next, I think I gotta go. Gosh, it stinks because it's just getting good. Um, easy for me to say, I'm up here. <laughs> so hopefully you all agree. Um, discipling and mentoring is another way you can practice um, sharing yourself with others. I'm not gonna get into this one very big, but I just wanna say that many of you, all of us have the command of Jesus, Matthew chapter 28, Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Our primary business is not winning people to Christ, but making disciples, bringing people into a transformative, growing relationship with God. That's our whole purpose. And it's not just a purpose for pastors. It's a a porpoise. It's a porpoise. That's a fun thing. Okay, he's getting crazy. Um, This is a purpose that all believers have. So Kat, Beth, Julie, Ying, it's so good to see you, Laura. All believers in this room have the purpose of making disciples. You are called, Jesus calls you to bring somebody into a growing relationship with him. The question is, how do we do that? All of us should be in a position where we're seeking people to mentor It doesn't mean you have the answers to everything in the Bible. It means you're willing to walk with someone else as they walk with Jesus. As you walk with Jesus, walk with them as they walk with Jesus. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, I'm trying to figure this out too, but I know God's the one I need. You're trying to figure it out too, God's the one you need. Hey, come alongside of me. Let's do this together. Mentoring, encouraging, teaching, helping, 
praying together. Michelle and I both have been incredibly blessed by discipling relationships in our life. We actively seek people out who we want to pour ourselves into in special ways. And I love it. I love getting together with the guys that uh, I have that opportunity to share life with and just talk. We're just talking about life. What's the Lord teaching you? What's going on? Is there anything I can pray for you? Is there anything I can do? Anything, any questions you have need answered? Mentoring, discipling. One more category, maybe service. Let's see if it's up there. Service. This is another one. Service. Isaiah 58, chapter, I mean, verses 6 and 7. Um, John 12, 1 to 2, Matthew 22, 37 to 39. God says in Isaiah 58, this is, this is what I desire. Not all your religious uh, activity, but rather I want you to be my heart for a broken world. That's my paraphrase. You know, the disciples often, often had arguments about who was the greatest. Who was the greatest? And Jesus just kind of, come on, guys, you don't get it. Not, there are a lot of us who don't want to be the greatest. We just don't want to be the least. I think a lot of us, that's the real issue. We just don't want to be the least, right? When you get to the Passover meal, John chapter 13, you have an interesting thing play out where all of the disciples gather for the meal and all of them have stinking dirty feet. And nobody said it, but everybody's wondering who's going to wash the feet because honestly, if you volunteer to wash the feet, then you're self-assigning to be the least and nobody wants to be the least. We may not want to be the greatest, but we definitely don't want to be the least. Jesus steps up, hears his voices. He puts on a towel wraps around himself and he stoops to wash the disciples' feet. And they'll go, no, 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 Jesus, you're the greatest. He goes, I'm going to teach you something today, guys. You want to know who the greatest is? The greatest is the one who serves. The greatest is the one who chooses to be least. Jesus himself, Mark chapter 13, again in Mark chapter, Matthew chapter 20, I did not come to be served came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I didn't come to try to climb the elitist ladders, to, to get out of work, to, to, to be the one who has all the perks such that I don't have to do anything. I didn't come like that. The, the Gentiles exercise authority over you like that. No, but that will not be so with my people, my disciples, for I'm trying to teach you the greatest among you is the one who serves. And see, when you choose to serve, when you choose to serve, you're free. (laughs) Because who cares if somebody walks all over you? You're choosing to let them walk all over you. You're choosing to be the least. Does that make sense? Service, to reflect the helping, caring, sharing love of God in the world. Service is a way of offering resources, time, treasure, influence, expertise for the care, protection, justice, and nurture of others. Acts of service give hands to the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? What he was trying to teach was, it's not a matter of who your neighbor is. Who am I called to serve? That doesn't matter. You're called to serve everybody. The real question is what kind of neighbor are you? Not who's your neighbor, what kind of neighbor are you? Are you the neighbor who stops to care? Over and over, God helps us to see that 
until you realize that the needs of your neighbor are as important as your own, you're never going to understand his heart of love and selfless giving, sharing of himself with others. The needs of your neighbor are as important as your own. When you begin to grow in that, to understand that, to live in that, and then to align yourself with choosing a position of service, in other words, giving for others, of your very self, giving that they might have what they need. And I'm not talking about showing up at a random event or two. I'm talking about a lifestyle of giving. Galatians 5, don't use your freedom for self-interest, for fleshly desires. Use your freedom to love and to serve one another. Service. And along with this is the idea of witness. Not just serving to help what they need, but serving in a way that points them to Christ. Finding ways. What, what could you do to, to become more of a server, more of a witnesser, to testify to what God has done in your life? Matthew 5, you're the light on a hill. Let your light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You're just reflecting the sharing and giving heart. 